always a little bit of a miracle to see people gather this in this space. And I, I'm not being facetious. It always feels like a miracle, especially in this day and age. There are so many other things you could be doing on a Sunday morning, right? Honestly, me too. In fact, there's not a week that goes by where I don't find myself caught up in a little bit of prayer saying, you know, we've only gotten this far by God's grace, really. If you think about it for very long, those of you who have been around the church for any length of time at all know that we have a very threadbare institution really, at the end of the day. Don't let the fancy clothes and the nice environment fool you. Sometimes it feels like we do nothing but struggle. What I'm here to tell you today is it's been like that for 2,000 years. <laughs> We're in good company. But it is truly a miracle that the church lasts not just a week and not just a month and not just a year, but hundreds of years and, in fact, 2,000 years now. That remarkable fact I don't think was lost at all on the author of the Gospel of Matthew. Over the past several weeks we've been engaged in the lengthy passages of Matthew where Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven and he often relates it to small, insignificant things. Things that are not visible to the rest of the world. You know some of these stories already. You know the parable of the mustard seed. The parable of the pearl of great price. The parable of the treasure that's hidden in a field somewhere. And then somebody was crazy enough to buy that field. So excited were they. The rest of the world is sort of standing there scratching his head going, what is that person doing here? What is that person doing? It's been true for the past 17 years that I've been here that um, whenever we talk about going to church in Southern Marin, many times we get that same reaction, like, what is that person doing here? What's inside? That space, what are in those doors? And most of us who remember crossing, crossing that threshold for the first time, or maybe just coming into an adult awareness of what it meant to cross that threshold, know that when you come in, you meet people like you meet everywhere else in the world. We make mistakes, we do things backwards, we get tangled up and going down the wrong paths on a regular basis. So then what is this church thing all about? What is, what is the good of it, really? That's the question of today's gospel. Today we have a climactic story in the gospel of Matthew. After all of these teachings, Jesus asks, a first century Jewish question. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? He's referring to an apocalyptic passage out of the Hebrew Scriptures, the book of Daniel. And it is a vision that Daniel has in that book of God coming in a 
in a cloud of great power, and standing next to him is one like a son of man. That sounds like a very strange sort of accolade. In the original Hebrew, it just means a human being. Standing with God. But for the Jews in the first century, it was an image of the return of someone like David, a Messiah, a Savior. And there were lots of ideas about what that Savior would do. And top of the list was throw the Roman bums out and restore the great kingship of the old kingdom of Israel. New glory days ahead. And so there was a lot of speculation, as you might imagine. Has the Messiah already come? Is the Messiah here now? Will the Messiah come tomorrow? And who will he be? And the disciples quote all of that to Jesus when he asks them, who do people say the Messiah is? Well, there were a few people around who said it was John the Baptist who had taken sort of the mantle of Elijah, the great ancient prophet, and gone to the Jordan and had baptized, and had confronted the authorities, and as a consequence lost his head. Maybe he was the Messiah. Maybe he was one of the old prophets that we hear about in the texts. Jesus then turns the question on himself. Who do you say that I am? And then Peter steps up. Peter steps up to the plate and he's been batting a loose end, zero, the whole time. Can't get anything right. Okay. And suddenly he bats it right out of the park. He says, You are the Messiah, Son of the living God. And I don't know if it's for dramatic effect or teaching effect, or Jesus means it. He's absolutely flabbergasted that Peter finally got it right. I guess this is probably that last thing. He says, right you are, Simon, son of Jonah. Which is a curious turn of phrase. How many of you know about Jonah? Do you remember the story of Jonah? Most of us remember. You know, Jonah and the whale, right? It's actually a big fish, but you know. All right. So, do you remember the story of Jonah at all? Here's a thumbnail sketch. Jonah is called by God to go to Nineveh, which is like the most corrupt, awful place on the face of the earth. This big city, and it's kind of remembered in the ancient texts as the center of Babylon. And God says to Jonah, you're going to go to Nineveh, and you're going to call them to repent. And Jonah says, yeah, you mean, I'm going to go there and I'm going to die. No, thank you. I'm going to walk the other way. And Jonah sets out the other way, as far away from Nineveh as he can possibly get. If you remember the story, he ends up on a boat, and the boat is swamped by a storm. And they draw lots to figure out what curse has befallen them, why they're about to sink. The lot falls on Jonah, and then Jonah fesses up. Yeah, it's because I, I, I said no to God. So you better throw me overboard and you're going to survive. So they do. 
and he ends up in the belly of a fish for three days. The fish spits him out on land, and Jonah sort of dusts himself off. He says, okay, God, and he goes to Nineveh. He spends days and days and days walking through Nineveh, and he gets to the center of Nineveh, and he proclaims repent. And then he thinks he'll just go onto the hill outside of Nineveh and watch God rain hellfire down on Nineveh. The problem for Jonah is they repent. And Jonah is not pleased that they repent. And so the close of the book of Jonah is that he's grumpy with God. God says, do you really have a right to be angry? This is not about you, my friend. This is about God. This is about the people of Nineveh. Oh, by the way, the animals live there too. It's a goofy story. And here, Jesus gives to Peter the name of son of Jonah. He's basically saying to Peter, you're in this class of prophet. You're always going the wrong way. You're always saying no to God. You're always going to try to do your own thing. You're going to be grumpy when things don't go the way you expect them to. And yet, he gives Peter the keys to the front door. Right. Right? Anyone whose parents in the room knows what it's like to have a ne'er-do-well teenager sometimes at home. And it's like handing them the front door keys to say, you're in charge now. Dude, this is crazy stuff. The irony should not be lost on this law. Gives him the keys to the kingdom. He has this wonderful wordplay on Peter's name, Petros, Rock. Says, You're rocky, and upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. The architects of the lectionary relate this back to the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah is reminding God's people that they are hewed or cut from this rock. And when Isaiah says that, he's thinking about the ancestry of Judaism, he's thinking about Abraham and Sarah, but we are meant to hear today that we are also hewn, cut from this rock. Peter, the ne'er-do-well, the one who's going off in the wrong direction most of the time. If you don't believe me, come back next week and you'll see in a few short verses, Peter will get it absolutely wrong again. Situation normal. But the point is, we're, we're Peter, you and me, and us together. We spend much of our time, both individually and together, going off in the wrong direction saying no to God, getting it wrong. Then we gather on Sunday morning, we say a few words, and we get it right. Jesus says to us, here, here are the keys. Here are the keys to the car, right? We're driving. But where are we going? What is this kingdom of heaven about? 
And if it wasn't enough that Jesus says to Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, he then says, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He gives Peter this awesome responsibility, and by extension, because we are hewn from the same rock, all of us. And it is the first and most fundamental mission of the church, if we have ears to hear it. Believe it or not, it's not about keeping our doors open or keeping the roof on the place, or even making sure that the bank account balances. The fundamental mission of the church is about forgiveness. We give it the fancy word reconciliation, but it is about participating in the messianic mission, which is not about throwing the Roman bums out. It is about participating with God and helping knit the world back to God. At every moment. It's about restoring broken relationship. It's about mending broken hearts. It's about sitting in solidarity with the lost and forgotten and seeing them as the mustard seed, as the pearl of the price. This week, I invite you to think about your piece of that mission. To imagine for a hot minute that you have been handed the keys to the car. You've been told to go and be about the work of forgiveness and reconciliation. And of course, the rest of the world is going to scratch their heads and go, huh? When was the last time you saw a newspaper headline about that? When was the last time you saw investors in Wall Street investing in forgiveness? and reconciliation. When was the last time that anybody with any sense at all told you that that's the way to lead your life, this, it'll get you rich? <clears throat> Not in that way. Jesus has told us over and over and over again. The wealth, the kingdom of heaven, is different from the wealth of the world. Jesus invites us to be joined in that messianic tradition. And even more radically, accepts us just like he accepted Peter, that we're going to get it wrong 90% of the time. And that's if we're good. Maybe if we're average, we'll get it wrong 95% of the time. That's not the point. The point is, that Jesus is beginning this work among us and renewing day by day, moment by moment, in each of our lives. Look for this week. Allow yourself to be surprised. Get behind the wheel of that car. And yeah, drive it off the road and bend it up a little bit, but don't do this. You will have a green to go to Nineveh. 
to engage in that work that God has begun. To begin to step out into that new world that God has promised each of us. A world of grace, a world of peace, a world of hope. Above all, a world of love. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Uh-huh.